In this two-part series, healthcare providers join the conversation with QSource to talk about Candida auris. This series will discuss the experiences with Candida auris and how providers deal with it, as well as how it affects their families. This is part two of the two-part series. Hello, and welcome to the Conversation Podcast. I'm Don Gettinger. I'm joined today by Tiffany Pizan, MSN, RN, who's certified in infection control. Tiffany is an infection preventionist with Union Hospital, and she was involved in a Candida auris situation. So Tiffany, would you go ahead and describe your work and your background, please? Yes, thanks for having me. So like he said, I work at Union Hospital. I have been employed here for 10 years. I started as a as a nurse on a med surge floor and then transferred to infection control about five and a half years ago. And then last year became certified in infection control with my CIC. So you worked there for over 10 years, but five and a half years in infection control. So Tiffany, tell us about your first case of C. auris and how did you handle it? Yes. So our first case, luckily, we had already heard of it and had received information and education through the state and access through the CDC. So we were somewhat prepared, but that we did have some challenges getting everything in place, making sure that staff were aware of all the precautions and the extra steps that to keep them safe as well as other patients and to stop that risk of transmission. Have you dealt with more than one case? Yes, we have. There was a time of about three or four months at a that we had, I think, seven cases that we had seen. Some of those were colonized, and then some of those were actual active infections. So we had put a lot of education together for our staff and our physicians, our administration, even the patients and the families, and we made that education accessible easily for staff. So when they are caring for a patient, of course, we communicate once we know that they're admitted, but we still want to make sure that that education is ongoing and that everyone involved in the care understands all the precautions to take. But we have not seen a case recently. Tell me a little bit about when someone is identified with a C. auris colonization or infection. What are your current processes in when that happens? Yeah, so we worked with our Cerner team, which is our EMR, and they actually put a build in place. So as soon as that patient is admitted, a pop-up box will actually appear on the screen that will alert the staff that this patient is, it'll give the date and then where the specimen was actually taken from. So if it was a urine, blood, respiratory, whatever it may be, and it'll give them that alert so they know that every time that the patient is comes back to the facility to use the isolation precautions. Our team was able to build that for us. That's wonderful. You mentioned the contact precautions and the, the barrier precautions. What precautions do you currently use? So we use contact precautions since we're acute care. I know that I believe it's long-term care has the enhanced barrier, but we always do contact precautions while they are in our facility just to make sure that, like I said, we're keeping patients safe as well as our staff. And then we actually have our visitors too. We educate them on the precautions. And so when they're visiting, we actually ask them too that they are wearing the isolation gear, the PPE. So you talked a little bit about the visitors, but who else do you educate and what methods do you use to educate about CORs? So we educate our, of course, our frontline staff, the physicians, family, and anyone that's involved with the care. So whether that be EVS or respiratory therapy, any staff that is involved, and we make sure that our staff have a huddle on each shift 
to address everything with anyone that's caring for the patient. So they're all aware, making sure that we're using the right cleaner, that we're doing hand hygiene appropriately. And of course, you know, wearing the PPE as, as well. We do have some information too that's on our homepage that's easily accessible. We did a couple videos that we partnered with our safety coaches and made a video so it's easily accessible for them as well. How do you share that video with the people you're educating? So we sent it out to the managers and they have some private groups that they'll post it on there. And they also use email. They have iPads that they can also take around and share with staff. It is accessible on the homepage as well. And what is the role of environmental services in Candida and Oris? We always talk with them as soon as we're aware, too, that the patient's been admitted. And they have a special process. So, of course, they use a cleaner that's from the EPA list P, and we use oxicide for that. But they also, they will make sure when they clean that patient's room that they'll do that last on the unit. And when they're cleaning, they also do one cloth per surface. So they take some extra barriers. And we also have a UV light that we run at discharge in the patient's environment. You know, state enough how important environmental services is in helping prevent the spread of this. And and so it's really appreciate you sharing that information. Yes, um, we have a great team. We've attended a couple of, of their staff meetings, too, just to make sure we always do Q&As with any staff anytime we do any type of education. So we can get all the questions answered. And if we don't have the answer, of course, we address it later. So with anything, you know, you're going to l- learn a lot as you deal with these cases and, and some things that you can share with others. Hopefully you can talk a little bit about those. What kind of barriers and successes over your experience in handling these cases have you noticed? Yeah, I think we've had a lot of success with, like I said, I mean, our EVS team working so well with us, our Cerner team that made the builds for our electronic medical records. Of course, those in the beginning were the barriers of because, you know, the alert would be there, but we needed staff to understand what it was. So getting that education, I think once we got the education out, we had a lot of success because now at first when we would start going to the units and talking to them, a lot of people were like, well, what's that? I've never heard of it. And now you can actually hear them educating others, too, if, you know, as we approach the unit, when they know what they're supposed to be doing, that they will, you can hear them talking amongst each other about making sure everything is being done. So it's we've had a lot of great success with that. Given that, what would you recommend to other facilities and healthcare workers who might not have had a case of CORS yet? I would recommend that they look at the toolkit, the toolkit that the Indiana Department of Health shared with us, and then also information on the CDC website. It has a lot of awesome information. They have education that's already put together. Make sure that you look at that so you are prepared. Make sure that the cleaners that you have in your facility will actually they are on the P list that will kill it. I think that's a huge thing. We were fortunate enough that our cleaner was already on that that we were using, so we didn't have to make any adjustments, but that would be a huge thing for any facility, I think, to prepare and just utilizing that toolkit. It's great advice, especially kind of looking at that list of cleaners and make sure that the ones that you're currently using are there. And if not, think about making a change. You mentioned the toolkit. So I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that. This is from the Indiana Department of Health. Tell us a little bit about it. Oh, it's phenomenal. So they have a toolkit that addresses, you know, it tells you all about what it is, the precautions to take, um, not even just with nursing, really facilitating that communication. So if that patient is then discharged to another facility, making sure that everything is addressed so they're aware of the precautions. They have a huddle form too. 
that is really nice. So that way, again, it's a, a reminder for your staff to have that huddle with each shift. It's just got a lot of really good information in it. It talks about EVS's role and their importance. We were very fortunate to get that early on. There's a ton of great information in there. You know, CORIS is somewhat new. Do you think there's a there's any stigma among staff or patients around that when you have an identified case or a colonization? In the beginning, especially because it was something, you know, they had heard of fungal infections, but they hadn't heard of CRS. And so there was some stigma, I feel like, with our staff at first. But I think once we educate them the importance of, you know, how resistant it can be and, you know, how ill these patients will be, I think that really helped. But I do think in the beginning, especially because people would be like, well, I heard about that on the news, you know, so there was lots of questions about, you know, was it something that was going to spread like, you know, like COVID or something. So just making sure that they understand that people with the CRs are, are very ill patients that usually they've been in long-term care facilities or they've been had lots of hospitalizations with multiple medical problems. So I think that that helped with the stigma once we really just explained to our staff. Is CORIS different in the care and the precautions that staff need to take? How is it different from other multi-drug resistant organisms? Um, so for us in the in you know in an acute care setting, as far as the isolation, you know your PPE that you wear, that's all the same. It's just really enforcing the cleaning, your hand hygiene, making sure that you're compliant with everything, and the communication between anyone that's involved in that patient's care. So there's a lot of similarities, I think, with the precautions and care. And it sounds like from what you've been saying that people, once they get, they understand the education, when they understand about, you know, the patients, they become more comfortable caring for those individuals. Have you noticed anyone being uncomfortable with caring for, for patients with C. Oris, or is that pretty accurate that they, they get more comfortable as they learn more? No, I absolutely agree with that. They become more comfortable once they, you know, learn more about it, of how it's transmitted, you know, how can you stop the risk of infection? How do you use your barriers and everything? I think that that really helps is just reiterating and just reminding staff of using the appropriate precautions. It's a lot of great information you've shared. I really appreciate you kind of sharing about the case that you, or cases that you've had and the lessons you've learned. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with people? Um, no, I would just really say I mean, if you haven't had a CRS case, I mean, like we talked about earlier, take a look at the toolkit and it will really help prepare your facility to make sure that you do have everything in place to keep everyone safe. And it's always nice to educate before you have your first case. So then if it does happen, then they're like, okay, well, we remember hearing about this or we remember that, you know, recording or whatever, however it is that you educate, then it's always, once they hear it again, I think it helps. Tiffany, thank you so much again for sharing with us today and for being part of the Conversation Podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. QSource would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to learn more, please visit us at qio.qsource.org. Visit our website for additional podcasts, videos, documents, and more. In addition to listening to QSource podcasts on our website, you can also find us on most media platforms, such as Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbean, and others.